worship Jesus, only Jesus. Oh, we worship you, Lord.
there's no one like you, Jesus. There's no one like you, Jesus.
Amen. There's already some preaching going on in this house this morning. And what a blessing. Good to see folks right here that I hadn't gotten to see the faces of in a while. Amen. Amen. Welcome. Welcome to the Alamo City family this morning. Hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. Thank you, Josh and band, all of you, Monica. Amen. I didn't want them to quit. I just want us to keep going. We'll just, just sing our way into glory this morning. God bless you. God bless you. If you're um, in the San Antonio area and part of our streaming family this morning, but you, you could get loose and come and make that drive. We, we're still having services, 9 o'clock, 11 o'clock. We'd be glad to see your face and hug your neck if you'd let us. We're trying to be mindful of where we are with the COVID situation, but uh, we're just having to follow the leadership of the Lord individually and families to do what you need to do. And we recognize that, and we want to welcome all of our streaming fans scattered all over the place. That's, as we've mentioned before, that's one of the things that COVID has done for us that has ended up being a real blessing, is that we've been able to just um, see the ministry from Alamo City just expanded all over the place. And um, folks having to stay home, trying to find a church service to watch, and they end up uh, finding themselves in San Antonio, Texas, and... Um, this, this place called Alamo City. We pray that it's the name of Jesus. You can forget the name of the church, you know, the, the small, small C on church, but, but if there's been the sense of his presence that's encouraged your heart, spoken to your spirit, then that's, that's an answer to prayer. Amen. Amen. And we're just we're so thankful to have this opportunity to be together in his presence this morning. I want you to find your Bible if you would please and go to that place where by now your Bible ought to just flop open to it. Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. When the Spirit speaks, when the Spirit of the Lord speaks, it is the commanding voice of hope. The commanding, the commanding voice of hope. I don't know... If you uh, need a little hope this morning, maybe not a little bit, maybe a lot of hope, but I believe that is, that is actually and absolutely what the voice of the Lord by His Spirit to our hearts results in, hope. No matter where we are, no matter what we've been through, no matter who's chewing on us, no matter what the circumstances may be financially, medically, politically, whatever arena you want to put it in, when the Lord speaks, when the Lord speaks, he speaks hope to our hearts. I believe there are two things in particular that the Lord would want us to hear this morning, and they come out of this, this passage in Acts chapter 4. The first one is really the backstory, a piece of the backstory to this prayer in Acts chapter 4 that I want us to look at. And here, here, here are the two things. Let me, let me give them to you and jot them down somewhere and we'll try to fill in the blanks around them. The first one is this, that I believe the Lord wants us to hear from this passage. Forgive them to be free. Forgive them, write that down somewhere, mark that in your brain. As a child of God, this isn't an asterisk truth with a comment at the bottom of the page. This, 
This is a truth that is all the way through the teaching of Jesus, all the way through the rest of the writing in the New Testament. Forgive them. Forgive them to be free. Freedom is forgiveness. Now, you may say, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what has been done to me, and I don't. But the Lord does. And the Lord knows what happened to him. The Lord knows exactly what was done to him. And from that cross, from that cross, as they had nailed him literally to the cross in order to kill him, he said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. A better way to understand the word Jesus used is to put in it the word understand. They don't understand what they're doing. Father, forgive them, for they don't get what they're doing. When, when Peter and John were finally released by the Sanhedrin, after this interrogation that had gone on for probably a few hours. And they were told by the same men, the exact same men, who perpetrated the plan against Jesus of Nazareth to have him killed. Those same faces were now saying, if you don't stop it, if you don't stop speaking in his name, harm is going to come to you. Basically, we're going to hurt you. If you don't stop it, we're going to hurt you like we hurt him in so many words. Who, who was Jesus to Peter and John and to the rest of the 11? Judas is gone now, but there were 11 of them. Who was Jesus to them? I want to suggest to you that in ways maybe they couldn't even express, at least in the beginning and on toward the end, but they would have called him, I believe, their very best friend. They had been with him for the better part of three years. They had eaten with him. They had slept on the ground with him. They didn't always have a roof over their heads. They didn't have a La Quinta that they could stay in. They, they went with him, and when it got dark, they spent the night. They watched him eat all kinds of different things. They watched him take kids, little babies, children, up in his lap and love on them and put his hands on them and bless them. And, and when, when, when mamas kept bringing their babies to Jesus, 
They remembered how when they tried, as the disciples tried to stop the crowd, especially the mamas with the babies from getting to Jesus, instead of Jesus fussing at the mamas, Jesus got on to his disciples. No, you, you, don't, you don't stop anybody. You don't stop any children from coming to me. They watched him wear himself out. Being among sick people and crazy people, demonically possessed people, that nobody else could help, that everybody else would have been offended by or afraid of. They watched this Jesus just walk into the midst of all of that and take over. And I believe many times with a smile on his face and authority in his eyes, and maybe even tears of compassion coming out of the eyes of the Lord Jesus. They watched him lay hands on people. They watched him rebuke demons and demons leave. They watched him spit in the ground and get a wad of clay and rub it on a blind man's eyes. They watched him and heard him when he told Mary and Martha, you roll that stone away. And to a dead man, been in the grave four days, this Jesus stepped up to that hole in the ground and said, Lazarus, come forth. And here he came, waddling alive, waddling his way out of that tomb. They saw him and they heard him. They were with him. And they knew somehow, though they were very imperfect, he had two sons of thunder, James and John. He had, he had, a, had a one, James the zealot. He, he had tax gatherers, a tax gatherer, all kinds of fishermen. This, this was, a, this was, a, this was a, an imperfect crew that Jesus had handpicked. You're my men. You follow me, and we're going to go fishing for people. And we're going to rescue them, and we're going to heal them, and we're going to point them the way to the true heart of God. You follow me. We'll go fish for men. They, they heard the things that he had to endure. They, they, they saw what he put up with when the religious police came after him and told him, you, you, you got to quit doing that and you got to quit healing people on the Sabbath day and, 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 and why are you carrying on this way? Why aren't you fasting all the time like you're supposed to be fasting on these days that we've set aside as the important days for people to do what they do? They knew what he went through. They saw what he did. They felt his heart. They knew the purity of his heart and the strength of his heart for people. And then they saw what this band of religious zealots did to him. They saw him beaten. They saw him crucified. And they heard the words of Jesus from the cross. And it must have been something that was a mystery to their ears. How can he even say it? Because he's got to know 
that they know what they're doing. They're driving the nails. They're the ones that perpetrated the plan. Surely they had to have known what they were doing, but then they heard Jesus as he was dying. Father, forgive them because they don't understand what they're doing. Back to the prayer. And this is how it is recorded for us toward the end. Acts 4, 29. And now, Lord, take note of their threats and grant that thy bondservants may speak thy word with all confidence. While thou dost extend thy hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of thy holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, and began to speak the word of God with boldness. They prayed in such a way that they were heard. And heaven answered. Heaven filled them. The Spirit filled them. And they went out from that place to speak the word of the Lord with boldness and signs and wonders were taking place in the name of the Holy Servant Jesus. The two things that I believe the Lord wants us to hear today. Number one, forgive them to be free. Secondly, ask largely and please me. Ask largely and please me. We'll come back to that in a second. The backstory for this prayer, must have a great dimension of it that has to do with working through what Jesus had taught early on in his ministry, and the disciples heard it. When he taught and answered the question, how do we pray? This is, this is in Matthew chapter 6. You'll, you'll, remember, you'll remember these words. Jesus Jesus was giving instruction on how to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Then he says, and forgive us our debts, forgive us our sins, as we also have forgiven our debtors, those who have sinned against us. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. But then he comes back to one theme out of that prayer. One theme out of the several points that he lists as he's given instruction to pray. And this is how he continues. For if you forgive men for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. The word to forgive means at its core to release, to release. It, 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 it can have a financial context, the canceling of a debt. The debt is no longer owed. It seems as if properly understood in the whole of the New Testament teaching, it would be that when we are called upon to forgive somebody, we are to release them from the debt of apology, 
the debt of asking forgiveness necessarily as we would feel is owed to us. What do we do with that debt? We give that debt to the Lord. We release them unto the Lord. We're no longer expecting that they're going to come and say, I'm sorry. We'd be blessed if they did it. But to truly forgive somebody, it means that we have released them unto the Lord for him to be the one who deals with the injustice of what they have done. The crime that would have been committed in many cases. Now, folks, as I say that, I realize that that in many, many, many instances from a human standpoint is absolutely impossible. How, how do you tell your brain to stop remembering and thinking and drawing the conclusion? And your emotions, how do you tell your emotions quit feeling that hurt? What I'm saying to you here is that the ability to forgive as we are instructed to forgive, to release as we are called upon to release, is something that only the spirit of the forgiver Only the spirit of Jesus alive inside us can enable us to do. But I am here to tell you with a certainty, God can do that. It is is something that the enemy would want us to believe, that we are always going to be a captive of the pain of what has happened to us, what has been said against us perpetrated against us, where we have, we have taken up the burden for a friend who has been wrongfully dealt with. Folks, I want you to see this. In this passage is, um, is amazing hope. These were men who had watched their best friend be wrongfully, criminally dealt with. And yet, On the day the Spirit was poured out, the day the exalted Jesus, on the day of Pentecost, he poured out his Spirit into the church, and and by doing with them, that is to be the example of what he wants to do within us. He He said to them, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost part. Be my witnesses of what? the witnesses of my power, but the witnesses of my ability to forgive and the witness of someone who has, the, has been forgiven and from that place is able to forgive. Power to be his witness as a living testimony of God's ability to forgive somebody who doesn't deserve it and then of his power to work that forgiveness out through that life to forgive others who have offended this way. When, when, when they prayed, David would say, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. 
We have to examine this. Why was this prayer so powerfully answered and so so quickly responded to by heaven? It had to be that from the heart of heaven, looking down into these lives, the Lord saw no restriction, no limitation on his spirit freely doing what they were asking for because evidently they had dealt with the need to forgive, to release the ones who had hurt their best friend and the ones who were perpetrating evil against them. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You find in in Acts chapter 3 where Peter makes an amazing statement that's reflective of, I believe, what is the backstory to this prayer, what we're talking about here, that somewhere in the, in the few days from the time that the Spirit was poured out and the life of Jesus was, was alive, came to be fully alive in, in Peter and John and the rest of them, and, and, and they knew that there was somebody else living inside their chest. They knew that there was somebody else with, with the, His strength alive in them. That would be the person of the Lord Jesus alive in them. They, they, they came to notice that there was something There was something different working inside of them, a different understanding, and it it would have to do with those who were were involved in in the trouble that came came against Jesus. And so he says in, this is Acts chapter 3, verse 17, and now behold, I know that you acted in ignorance just as your rulers did also. The man had been healed, Peter and John Heal the man in the name of Jesus. The crowd gathered. You remember that story. And as the crowd has gathered, a part of what Peter is saying to them is that we did, this didn't happen in our name. This happened in the power of Jesus. But then the, he makes this statement that what was done against Jesus, what was done to him by you, the crowd that would shout, crucify him, crucify him, that they did what they did in ignorance. But it also says that even their rulers did that too. Folks, here's here's one of the ways you know that forgiveness is working in your heart towards someone, forgiveness towards someone who has wronged you. It is when almost out of nowhere, compassion, compassion begins to rise up in your heart. That there's some way that you're beginning to sense that if they had really understood the full depth of what they were doing, they wouldn't have done what they did, but they did it. I forgive them, I give them unto you, Lord. And the response from heaven to that kind of action, releasing, is that what you begin to feel inside you is the forgiveness of Jesus rising up in you toward them. Now, that doesn't mean that all of a sudden what they did becomes less bad or less wrong. It may very well be more wrong and more criminal than we would ever know. God sees it clearly. But the answer is not that we carry throughout our lives the cry for vengeance or or the sense of anticipating 
with a kind of joy, well, they're going to get theirs one day, and we're going to be dancing in the streets when it happens. That gets obliterated. That's gone. As long as that is still working, there hasn't been forgiveness. But where there has been forgiveness is that the forgiver, Jesus, alive in you, is giving you the ability as he takes control over emotions that can be all over the map and brain memories that can be very precise, as he begins to move into that area and take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, as Paul would say, and bring forth the most holy emotions. I'm going to say it again. Here's how you'll know that forgiveness is working in your heart toward the one who has wronged you or wronged the one you love. It's when you feel something rising up that just almost seems like it doesn't fit, shouldn't be there, but it's God and it is compassion. That was what from the cross Jesus looked into the eyes, into the souls of the ones who were, who were accomplishing his murder. Father, forgive them because they don't understand what they're doing. They're still guilty of what they did. But they did what they did out of a misguided sense of conclusion. The Lord has a way only by His Spirit, folks. Only by His Spirit of helping to arrest the emotions in us that would keep us in the place, of buried in the place of resentment and anger and hoping for vengeance and take it into a place where it is as if that is not the emotion at all. That is not the emotion. He's removed that. And you say, I don't understand how that can be because of what's happened to me. I know, I don't understand it. You you and I can never accomplish that for ourselves, but it is a miracle of God's grace and power in your life that only he can do. There are times in my life, my testimony, this is my testimony. This is my, in a sense, I'm preaching to the preacher. Where where, where ones would, would do things, family setting as a child growing up and in in a wonderful home and then all of a sudden some things happened to that home I came to know the Lord as a as a young child and I had known the Lord for for those years of my life and 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 yet this hit and 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 a, a massive figure in my life disappointed our family tragically and went went another direction the very the very opposite direction that that we had been taught to go. And I knew, I knew the Lord was saying to me, I knew what his word has said, that that I need to forgive, I need to forgive, I need to forgive, I need to forgive him for what had happened. But I found myself with memories so vivid and calendar events so regular and so powerful that I, I found myself hopelessly having to stretch out before the Lord. Lord, I can't do this. I don't even know what it means. I don't even know what forgiveness looks like in this place, but I want it to be as you would want it to be. I need need you being able to bless me, Lord, more than I need anything else on the face of the earth. I need the heavens opened 
Instead of the heavens closed, I don't want to be regarding this iniquity in my heart. Show me my sin and help me out the other side of my sin. We can, here's what the devil will want to do. Focusing on the other person's sin, their sin, their sin, their sin, their sin. But what if the key to freedom is not going to be them getting fixed, but the key to freedom can be is me being set free, me being relieved. And I, 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 found, I found myself just crying out, Lord, help me. Help me, whatever this looks like, whatever this means to forgive. And I can tell you, I can tell you that in the place of the emotion that was, he deserves discipline, he deserves judgment, he deserves all all those things. I found instead in the place of that, as I kept saying, Lord, I release this one to you. I released it. What I said a minute ago was happening in me. I found compassion rising up. I found the realization that somewhere along the way there had been Satan's blinders that had blinded this this one. Still, the the pain was still there in in many ways. The judgment that that he would evoke would would still come. But but that that was between the Lord and him. I felt like that the Lord had removed me out of the equation in the sense, Lord, I give this one to you. And I'm asking you to fill me with your spirit in the place where that had been operating, where that resentment had been operating. That, and, and, and at times, vengeance, waiting for the vengeance to come, I, I found in the place of that a compassion rising up, a mercy rising up. That my role would be to pray the mercy of God on that one. It would be God's role to deal with what vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. He never shares two things with us. He never shares his vengeance and he never shares his glory. And we got to understand that and let that in. Here's what what that, that unforgiveness will do. It allows there to be a place in you that that one who has hurt you still owns, still has. They go on with their life, that they rock and roll right on through, seem like nothing happened, but, but, but you and I can stay crippled because of the arrow still in the place. But Lord, Lord, I need the power of the Spirit of the forgiver to fill me there. I confess the sin of holding on to the anger. I confess the sin of clinging to the wish for revenge and so forth. And I ask you to forgive me and I ask you to fill me. Folks, when forgiveness works in your heart, there intimidation loses its power. But it can continue to thrive. It continued, can continue to love. A name can come up. The, the, the being in the same presence and that intimidating feeling that can come still has a place to operate until you square yourself off, look at the person, at the situation, and just say, Lord, in the name of Jesus, by the power of your spirit, I release that one and what was done to you. I give it to you. And it becomes a holy habit. 
that instead of every time their face or the name comes up, it, it, it reminding you of all the bad it is a call to prayer. It's a call to the place. Lord, here it is again. I need you. Take this. I release this. I give this to you. Fill me with your spirit. And I'm telling you, if I'm lying, I'm dying. So they're saying where I come from, if I'm lying, I'm dying. If you will do that and you'll mean it from your heart and you'll continue to, to pray, Lord, I release them in the name of Jesus and by the power of your spirit, I release them as time goes on. And it may be before dark this evening or it may be over the next few days. It may take a little bit, but, but you will find yourself no longer being stuck, stuck, stuck. And that's what it'll do to you, stuck in the place of resentment and unforgiveness. You'll find that their ability to intimidate by, by virtue of memories or names or even the contact with them, it begins to lose its power. Forgiveness releases freedom. To be free is to forgive. To be free is to forgive. So when they come to this place of needing to ask the Lord for a fresh filling, for fresh boldness, the heavens are open. And maybe it was a, it's a part of their praying for the boldness, the need to pray again, Lord, will you refresh in our hearts that ability to forgive these who have just threatened us. They threatened the same ones who put to death Jesus, who was, thank God, raised from the dead. God caused us all things to work together for good to those who love him and call to on his purpose. He was crucified, but the Lord, the Lord overcame their plan and raised Jesus from the dead. But the same ones who were cruel to Jesus are now facing their cruelty at these men. And it may very well have been the humanity within them was needing to cry out, Lord, we need the boldness, the assurance, we need the assurance back. That, 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 that you are who you are and that, that we are dear to you and we mean something to you and, that, and, and the, the restoration of, of their relationship with him and all of those things related to that, the ability to forgive. I think when they were, were praying, Lord, give us our boldness back, it may have been very much that, that whole part about, Lord, we need the boldness back again in our heart to release these ones who were threatening us with death and were and, and whatever else they would want to bring their way. And the Lord heard it, and the Lord answered it. Now, my brother and my sister, what you least need the devil to do to you is to get you in a place where the Lord has difficulty hearing the cry of your heart. I mean, the, the worst thing Satan can do is to trick us into some kind of mode of believing that would cause the spirit to be quenched and the favor of the Lord to be withdrawn in a sense. You say, well, why would the Lord ever do that? The Lord is a person. The spirit is a person. You, you can grieve a person. You, you can grieve a person. The Lord himself can be grieved. And one of the places where he can be grieved is at the place I told you, I said to you. If you want to stay in the place of forgiveness from the Father, then you need to regularly and as a, as a habit, as I say, be releasing the ones who have sinned against you. When I see you leaning in that direction, when I see you wanting that, when I see you crying out for that, 
My heart is open to want to bless and help. But when I see you believing the devil's lie and tricked into the place that I have a right because it was so bad to just wait for judgment to fall, to just wait for vengeance to come, to just wait. You are trapped. You are stuck. Your eyes are off of where I want them to be. Get your eyes off of that. Release, forgive, and get your eyes back on me. We got things to do and people to see and places to go. I want you to know my power in your life. So if we want freedom, we need to forgive. Again, that doesn't mean that all of a sudden the things done were not all that bad. They can be every bit as bad and even more, but what it means is I am consciously choosing to take the person and what the person did and release them unto the Lord. What he does, how he does it, when it's dealt with, whatever is done, that is between that person and the Lord. I, have, I know some are saying, that just can't make that big a difference. So how's it working for you like you're doing now? That person can own you. And they're going on with their lives. But you're stuck. You're trapped. And the way out, the way out is clear. Lord, I hold this resentment. I, I find it real easy to pray. God, would you, just, would you just strike them dead? I got a lot of power to pray that way, Lord. And then all of a sudden I'm realizing that's not my job. I'm out of my lane. That's between you and them. So, Lord, as I pray, see, here's a, this is a right prayer to pray. It's a safe, it's a good prayer. Lord, show me my sin. Don't start over there. Lord, show me my sin. Or I'm missing the mark. And he will, he will. He doesn't do it just to punish his life. He shows us that so we can get free. He shows us that so we can get back to living. He shows us that so we can go on with the rest of our lives in a way that pleases him. Lord, show me my sin. I confess the sin of not forgiving, of holding on to, of clinging to, of resenting. You don't have to explain to him the circumstances. He knows the circumstances. He saw it all, even more than you may have seen. But that which blesses him is when you take even the places that have been the most painful to you and you say, Lord, the best I can, I'm trusting you with even this. I'm trusting you with even this. I give this and this person or people to you. I believe that you will find in wonderful measure that if you choose that as your direction and you pray for the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, the forgiver, to accomplish that in you, you will not be disappointed. Mercy. Mercy, Ross. When, 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 again, when Peter will say, and Paul will say the same thing in a different way, but it's the same meaning. He would say, if the, leaders, if, the, if the leaders in Jerusalem 
had known that they were putting to death the prince of life, they would have never done it. But they didn't understand. They didn't see it. They didn't realize what they were doing. Even though the crowd around with those Roman soldiers are exact, they were exactly what they're doing. The, the Jewish leaders, they got scriptures. To, to, you could show them how they were wrong scripturally. They didn't see it. So about the time we, we get to saying, but, but my hurt is greater than any other hurt. My, my hurt, what happened to me, is far worse than, than it. You just need to, it's not to minimize your hurt at all. It's not, not to minimize it. But it is when you take that and you put it up against what Jesus went through as the only innocent man to have ever lived. What was done to him? And he said, you see, when he died on the cross, he was dying even for the sins of the ones who killed him. He was dying in payment for their sins. And we find out later that there were many priests, many priests who came to faith in Jesus. Those priests may have been in the crowd as Jesus was hanging on the cross. That he was dying to accomplish their forgiveness. Father, forgive them. But the, but the work was, he was going to work with his own blood. The accomplishing of forgiveness by his blood being shed for their sins. I don't mean to get too theological or too complicated on all of that, but I just, I, I just want you to open your heart up to the reality, to the truth, the wonderful promise that Jesus, by his spirit, in your heart, in my heart, at the places of our deepest wound, because of what has been done to us, he's able to give us the ability to release that's vital because we're going to need him to hear our prayers as our lives go on. We don't need to be stuck and shut, shut off when the needs are greater. But the enemy loves to try to keep us. The enemy loves to keep fanning the flame. You've got reason to stay mad. You've got reason to resent. You've got me reason. You've got reason. That's not the Lord. The Lord moves in the direction of forgiveness and mercy the enemy wants to keep us at the place of keep, keep sticking them, keep sticking them, keep praying for them, keep you know, pounding them. That's not Jesus talking. Father, forgive them, but they don't know what to do, okay? So I believe that's one thing the Lord wants us to hear today. Forgive them to be free. Realizing that Peter, James, and John, those who were praying this prayer, they were having to deal with the emotions, the wrongs that they felt because their best friend was murdered by a band of lying religious zealots. And then that group turns on Peter and John and the rest saying, speak no more. And it's just striking to me that they don't even mention by name the high priest. They don't mention Annas and Caiaphas. And, and as they, as they, all they say in verse 29 is, now, Lord, take note of the threats. Take note of their threats and grant your bondservants boldness to keep speaking your word. 
You see, because the the religious group with their threats had no power to intimidate them. I mean, in a natural sense, they would have, but in the spirit sense, that had been broken. That, that That the ones who were making the threats had no turf in the hearts of these men. They had surrendered everything regarding their relationship back this way that was painful and threatening. They had surrendered that to the Lord, given that to the Lord. And in the place that the the impact that those threats would have, now there was the place, there's room that the Lord can fill them up all over again and send them back out to do the very thing that they were in so much trouble for before. And that's what they prayed for. And said, oh God, move us to Jericho or, or, or get, a, get, us, get us out of here and send us to, to some other city. We just can't, this is just too tough. This is just too tight. This is too hard. It's getting too hot here. They, that was never their prayer. What their prayer was, God, just give us more of what we need now that got us in so much trouble the first time. Speaking unapologetically and freely in the name of Jesus. They could do that because they were not intimidated. And they were not intimidated because I believe it's consistent. They had released these men and the outcome of their words unto the Lord. For them to say, take note of your threats, is just another way of saying, we put ourselves in your hands, Lord. We're trusting our lives in your hands. You handle their threats. But fill us up with boldness to properly and rightly represent who you are. All right? I just want to encourage you to pray that way. Lord, show me my sin. We can name their sins. Show me my sin. And then, Lord, I ask you to give me, by the power of your Spirit, the ability to release them and what they have done unto you. And you just watch what's going to happen. I believe the freedom. I mean, your shoe size is not going to change. Your eye color is not going to change. You're not going to grow eight feet. But something on the inside of you will be different. And and I'll tell you what it is. It's freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 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 Okay, the second thing. I believe the Lord wants us to get from this. It's not just forgive them to be free, but ask largely and please me. Ask largely. Ask largely. Here's where we get that. Look how they, how they phrase this. Grant thy bondservants, grant that thy bondservants may speak thy word with all boldness while thou dost extend thy hand to heal, and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Ask largely of me. Folks, I I think sometimes we, we can feel like that if we ask too much from the Lord, he, he would be offended at us. Why, I mean, don't you realize who you are? And I mean, you know, on a big scale of things, why, why should I even be paying attention to you? The reality is, you ready for this? You are a child of the king. You are a blood-bought 
picked out, chosen, wanted, forgiven, washed in the blood, child of the king. Gabriel said to Mary, at the place of a biological impossibility, she had not known a man. You're going to give birth to a son. You're going to name him Jesus. And he said to her, when she tried to explain to him the biology, nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. In John chapter 14, Jesus said, and whatever you ask, whatever, 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 what part of whatever do we not get? Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And then in, in John, a little later on, it, it will be in John chapter 16, where Jesus will, Jesus will say, truly, truly, I say to you, you'll weep and lament, the world rejoice, but you'll be sorrowful. Your sorrow will be turned to joy. And then he says, until now you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be made full. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be made full. I wonder how many of our requests of the Lord, when we do make them, have come from such a place of doubt and hesitation and a shrunk view of who Jesus really is and the size of his name and his person, that it's almost as if and may even be that some of our prayers are insulting to him. Insulting to him. Here are these guys and women in the group. They didn't have any better sense than to believe that Jesus does have the name that is above every other name. That those who are in an earthly position of earthly authority will one day bow the knee to this Jesus whom they tried to crucify, but God raised from the dead, and been, he's now been exalted to the place of full authority in every dimension that he had before Bethlehem. And they were crazy enough to say, Lord, Fill us back up with the boldness that we've known before that we may proclaim your word, your truth, who you are, freely and boldly. But then, Lord, we're asking you to extend your hand to heal. And that signs and wonders will take place through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. I know when we read that, that some of us just immediately start cutting that part out of the Bible, that part, and we put it back in, on, you know, in, in some museum piece somewhere as, as maybe a fictional piece of biblical history. That it wasn't really true, but it was nice to think about. Instead of realizing or considering what if the book of Acts, instead of being a history relic, is supposed to be an example to every generation of the church as to what God wants to do and is able to do through his people. Not because they have so much money, not because they got political power, or because they're so educated, 
but because they are humbly and purely receiving the promise of the Father, which is the filling of the Spirit, and are not hesitating to pray in the name of Jesus for things that are otherwise impossible. This was Peter, his, his shadow. You read in Acts 5, his, his shadow would fall on people and they'd get healed. We talked last week about, man, I'd be your shadow's going to do any good to anybody. But what if it's the shadow of prayer through your life? What if it's the shadow of praying in the name of Jesus? Regardless of where you are, when you hear of a need, when there's a burden and a broken life and a runaway child and the situation seems bleak and those people start coming to you with their needs and you begin to just say, Lord, I ask largely of you. Whatever's in your heart to do to heal the sick, to bring the marriage through, to take care of the economic condition, I'm not asking some, I'm not asking some shrinking request. You are the God of all creation. I'm asking you to do what you and you alone can do. I tell you, when I get folks, when something goes on in my life, and there are times when it happens, and the preacher needs prayer. I don't want somebody who's going to come to me with some analytical, you know, I don't know if we can pray about that. Get out of the way. I want somebody to show up who walk in the room saying, he's God. There's nothing that can stop him. There's nothing he's going to run out of, and he loves you irreversibly, so let's ask him. You be known on your street, you be known in your company as somebody who, when you hear of a need, you will pray, not just tell somebody you'll pray. I've done it, I've done it in, in buildings before. We're going to pray. You keep your eyes open. I'm going to keep my eyes open, and we're going to talk to Jesus right now. They think we're talking to each other. We are, but there's somebody else listening in. Lord, fall on this place. Lord, run the devil out. We invite your authority. Folks, signs and wonders. Signs and wonders. It's not always about the lame walking or the blind physically seeing. But whatever in the life of somebody you know that is a matter of great importance to their hearts. It may be medical. It may be something that Jesus did, and said, but it could be something completely different, something beyond. And instead of us trying to get so, well, they hadn't repented, they're not going to church, and they hadn't been, would you please tell me as you read through the Gospels, how many of those people even knew Jesus' name that he healed? How many repented, were baptized, gave to his ministry before he healed? He heals because he loves. He heals because he loves. And what if there is in his heart the longing for us to realize he puts us in these places of relationships with people in order for us to ask largely of him. If we never see him again, if they never come back to our church again. But we have done what we were supposed to do in that moment. Lord, in the name of Jesus, bring that boy back. In the name of Jesus, bring that wife home. In the name of Jesus, we're asked. He said, well, I don't know if he's going to do it. Well, if you never ask him, how are you going to know he won't? 
We chicken ourselves out. We reason ourselves out. We're just many, many times my prayer will be, well, not knowing exactly the timing or the way, but feeling the life of the Spirit and the presence of, of Him with us as we would pray. Lord, will you open your heart up and pour out into this situation everything that is in your heart to do. There's nothing that can stop you. There's no limit on your power. There's no limit on your resources. In the name of Jesus, in the name of, sometimes that's all I'll say for three or four times, just in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. We're asking you for everything that is in your heart for this life. Now, folks, signs and wonders are no strange thing when you pray that way. It's not like you're going to have to wait another five years to hear something. You're going to have a steady stream of stories. Telephone, the cell phone got found. Car keys got found. Some of you, you young people saying, that, that's an old folks problem. It is an old folks problem. <laughs> but then to pray, it may be a little thing in the scope of the universe, but it's a big thing. To the one who's lost the keys, or the one, the one whose doctor's appointment weren't sure how that was going to go, what was going to be said, how that how we're going to take it. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we give you the doctor's appointment. We ask you to show your power, show your strength. He'll give you what to pray. His spirit, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. We go forth in the name of Jesus to be witness, witnesses of Jesus. That's not just about passing out tracts about the gospel, though we need to do that as the Lord opens that door. But to be a witness of Jesus means that we are a living, breathing testimony that he is alive. That he is alive. That he's still hearing prayers. He's still caring about people. He's still working. That's what it means to be a witness for Jesus. It's his life flowing out through me. Ask largely. Ask largely. Ask largely. He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. All authority. Now, we're going to finish with this one. I, I'm going to just want you to know it's in your Bible. This is Ephesians 3, verse 20. Ephesians 3, verse 20. Now, this is how Paul is concluding his prayer, his instructive prayer for the Ephesians. His, this is how you need to pray. Here's how he ends it. Now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. You can just camp out right there on that verse and see if that doesn't lead you to the conclusion. He wants me to ask largely. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all that we could ask or think according to the power that works within us. Instead of us being afraid of asking too largely, we need to be aware of the possibility of asking in a way that is too small. It doesn't befit who he is.
and the big things, the asking largely, can be for the person and the need in the person's life. It not be, may not be a massive need to somebody else, but it's a massive need to you. And Jesus knows that. And he just says, ask me. If you've received him as Savior and Lord, his spirit alive within you, he gives you permission to make your requests known to him. And he says about some of those requests, I'll grant them just because I want your joy to be full. That's beyond the point of having a need met. Having joy filled. So the two things today, my brothers and my sisters, forgive them to be free. And ask largely and please me. Lord, we thank you for this time in your word and with your people. I pray, Lord, that you wouldn't let us be able to escape this, that we would just be able to quickly go on to something else. I pray, Lord, that where, where you're saying to us, apply this, receive this, receive this, where it's at the place of forgiveness and releasing, we're asking you by your Spirit to give us the ability to let go. And in the place of what had been the resentment and the anger even, there would come to be your Spirit producing compassion which is your heart, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And then, Lord, we would ask, too, that you would spur us on to ask largely of you. No, not let us not be timid, shy, hesitant, finding excuses. But, Lord, would you just let it dawn on us when we find ourselves in a situation where somebody is sharing with us a burden to them? That that may be the result of that as you touch it, as you answer it, could be a sign and a wonder to press them into you in a fresh way, maybe the first time. Help us to see that's how you want to use us, to believe you for signs and wonders that indicate the presence and the love of Jesus and the power of God to rescue and to heal. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this time and this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. Can we do that, please? Let's stand together. Prayer partners, if you'll join us here at the front so that we can pray with any of you who are in the room that just would lead somebody to stand with you in prayer. We'd love to do that. Pastor Walker, alamocity.org, our streaming family and friends, if there is something that we can pray with you about, we, we take that seriously but we take it joyfully to the throne of grace as we take those needs to the Lord. And so many of you have been letting us know and Facebook, YouTube, email, different ways that we, that we hear from you. And we appreciate that so very much. And, and I want to just say to you, you the, the way that you support in prayer and encouragement, the personal notes and so forth are awesome. Keep us going. But also the financial support as you are prompted by the Spirit to do what you do that, that uh, it means the world to, to us and enables us to continue to do the things that we're doing here in the city, ministering to folks, but then also uh, 
uh, as the broadcasts go out all over the place. Thank you. Thank you for that, that you just do what the Lord leads you to do. Okay? Now, um, I'm looking around here. What I'd like for us to do is if you don't need to come this way for prayer, I invite anybody and everybody who wants to come this way for prayer, you come and do that. But if not, and you see somebody that you've been sitting next to and you know, you've, been, you've endured the preacher's hollering and all that stuff all this time, and you just like to reach over and shake their hand, introduce yourself if you don't know them, maybe just put an arm around them and encourage them. There's something about the redeemed of the Lord saying so. Something about us being able to look each other in the eye and say, you're, you're important, you're a blessing to me and to the Lord. Thank you for being here today. Would you just take a little time to encourage each other if, as you're led to, as you're led to, as we dismiss at this time. Come this way if we can pray for you. Otherwise, just find somebody who looks like they need a good handshake and encouragement before they go home. Okay? God bless you. Bless you for being here and being a part of it.